Good morning, Mr. Shackman. Good morning again, Mr. Burr. How are you doing? Uh, fantastic. Uh, I love this new toy. Oh. I uh, I was expecting the oh. drone as usual, and uh, there wasn't. There was the screeching of tires. So I went outside, mm-hmm. and there was this, honest to goodness, half meter long, beautiful Formula One car model busy doing donuts. Mm-hmm. And then it sort of drove mm-hmm. up to me and bumped my foot. So I've uh, I've picked it up. I've brought it inside. Absolutely Good stunning. Stuff. Here's my question. Yeah. I can't see what's inside this car, but it smells of toast. Um, and I can't figure out how to open it. I figure the toast side inside. Any ideas? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, let's start. Let's take the wheels off. Okay, I'll I'll take the wheels off. Um, okay, yeah, car sitting on its uh, its its uh, underbelly. Um, uh-huh. It's still stuck. Drop. Still yeah, stuck. Yeah, drop the engine out. Drop the engine out. You want me to drop the engine out? Um, mm. Okay. Okay, it's All a right. lot lighter now, but uh, I still uh-huh. I still can't get it. Uh, I still can't get it off. Now unclip those wings. Take the body off. Those wings. Okay, mm. wings are off. Um, okay, I, I, I still. I mean, it. It seems like it. it, it, it it's mm. dying to come off, but it just won't. What, what, am I doing something wrong? Crash that thing into the plate. Give it a good old crash. <laughs> Eureka! There is toast in there. That's absolutely amazing. But like, what the hell's going on? Uh, I see. It's all courtesy of Bert. Um, Jeremy's not quite working out at the moment, so I, I'm experimenting with um, different people to supply our, our, our weekly toast. Um, so this one's all courtesy to Bert. And, um, well, he ended up accidentally watching way too much ETV. So he's a bit of a retro 70s theme at the moment. Um, you should see Jeremy. He's in tight glitter pants at the moment. It's not something you want to see. Anyway, this is what Bert is calling the stripped in the pit special. Amazing. <laughs> Toasting design, Shaka Shackman, Michael Boer. If for whatever reason it sounds like we actually know what we're talking about in this one, it might be because we recorded this already and they just don't have that recording anymore. Yes. But let's get on to the more <laughs> let's get on to the more important points. The what I've learned um, in recent times and for me that was a, a a look into helicopters and well i mean i think when i did third year aero or yeah when i did third year aero, we didn't do uh, helicopters in that much of great detail so it's always been a bit of a mystery and somewhat of a yeah. nightmare and avoid at all costs and watched a video on the cheyenne the sort of uh, alternate to the apache that never was to be uh, and what was unique about it was the fact that it had a fixed rotor head. Unlike the sort of articulated rotor heads we see in pretty much most helicopters yeah. out there, the fixed rotor head has a series of advantages. And the one that they have footage of in the one YouTube video, uh, go see the YouTube channel Curious Droid, really good channel. Anyway, uh, was you have a helicopter and you have, it was a three meter boom that went sideways outwards and you had a person hang on that and the helicopter just happily stuck there. Now, most helicopters, when you have that sort of an off-centered load, they struggle because your rotor head and the body are separate. So you've got this weird moment that kind of can't be corrected. And it's sort of then going into, how does this work? How do you, you know, why A, do other helicopters not do it? And why does it work on that one? 
And it actually, it's a difficult thing to actually get details on the mechanism used. Um, it was, I think it was used by, it was developed by Lockheed. Yeah. Um, and eventually managed to, after some weird, obscure searches, actually find a whole uh, science paper on, on this is how the mechanism, it wasn't a science paper, actually it was a, a military paper on basically trying to convince the military this is what we needed and obviously all the military guys are like no but this is not the good old helicopter that's wrong right this is why it's good and and it goes into the mechanism and things which is always an interest of mine i love mechanisms um and yeah no it's, it's a a look at an alternate option which is almost exclusively avoided but that can work um and i think yeah. a number of times and I think the interesting thing is, you know, with uh, with early helicopters, I mean, the early helicopters, their, their rotor blades were, were basically laminated wood because yeah. you, know, you could quite easily shape it. Wood is wood is pretty good intention. And um, mm. as long as you sort of hinged your, your rotor blade right at the root in, in, in several degrees of freedom, your rotor blade wouldn't really have, uh, a, let's say, a large bending load in it. It was mostly sort of tensile. Mm. And, and obviously, once you've got an idea that works, you tend to stick to it. I mean, it's exactly mm. the same as, you know, we started out life with biplanes, and when the first monoplanes came along, everyone said, <laughs> that's not going to work. And then the first aluminium-skinned airplanes came along, and they said, but aluminium's rubbish. You can't do anything with aluminium. And then the first composite airplanes came along, and I said, you can't build aircraft out of Tupperware. And look where we are now. So um, I think it's quite exciting yeah. because there are tons of really good helicopter projects on the go you know for a while it seemed like high-tech projects you know you reach the sort of the f-22 f-35 projects you know you've Mm. still got the sort of uh, russians working on on their fighters which were a few years behind and then you look at fighters and you think okay and then there's this gap and now all of a sudden we've got unmanned wingmen that's pretty cool and for helicopters it's a case of yeah, what what was going to come after the the Chinook and the Apache and the Black Hawk and mm. and all of those things? And now there's a myriad of of, of contracts available with pretty mm. nifty ideas um, going for it. So yeah. yeah, interesting. Yeah, I was always a bit sad. Comanche never took off or never got into. Yes, I was. I was. Uh, yeah. yeah, when I was in high school, the the Comanche. Yeah. I always thought there was a really good looking helicopter. It belonged in a Batman yeah. movie as well. I know exactly. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Right. What are we going to be talking about today? I assume it's about design. Oh, is that what the show is about? <laughs> Jeez, revelation. Um, okay, so so what what uh, you know in 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 the thing of uh, sort of obscure reading um, in my bookshelf, uh, I recently read, did a bit of rearranging, and I found a a book written by a bunch of let's say academic experts that left aircraft design companies for the academic world, uh, let's say a long time ago. And it's mm. called uh, What Engineers Know and How They Know It. And it's it's got a lot of sort of developmental stuff which allowed aircraft to go from being good to being great. And uh, quite a lot of them were sort of company specific. And you know, examples are things like just how difficult it was to introduce flush riveting because it sounds like a simple idea, but you've got to think about what's happening with all the loads and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, right towards the end, they sort of summarized what processes you need to go through given a lifetime's worth of experience in actual practical engineering from, Mm. you know, the the microscopic component problem solving all the way through to the sort of high-level conceptual stuff. Um, Yeah. 
what are the basic steps that you do in that sort of order? And I thought what we could do is we could just run through them because there are seven of them. Um, we'll play a little yeah. guessing game as to what <laughs> they are and we'll talk about sort of how they would apply. Um, mm. You ready to go? Oh yeah, no, please, let's head straight in. Okay, it. so whenever, whenever trying to solve a, a problem or, or create something new, both of those are part of what's known as design. The first thing mm. which is very useful and vital to do is to transfer from science. What does that mean to you, Mr. Sheckman? From science, I mean, okay, so I'd say that that's uh, what I would do be a case of a going back to basics, the, the fundamentals, the F equals MAs, applying those basic things, magnetism, or maybe it's a bit of tris in a way. Yes. Um, those basic principles and, and applying those into whether it's identifying a problem or, or coming up with alternative options. Um, there we go. Uh, I'd say, yeah. yeah. Um, in, in terms of yeah, most of most of our, I, I would say uh, quite a lot of the, the, I mean, all of the, the, the first year courses, all of the second year courses and some of the third year courses, which are known as engineering science courses, what students mm -hmm. learn is that there's, the, the, let's say the theory of an internal reaction load. Now yeah. that, that's a physics idea. It's from science, mm. it's a scientific mm. principle. Engineers just apply it. So if we wanna work out yeah. what is the load in that branch of, the, of a tree, that's what we do. Mm. We apply that yeah. science to the problem to understand the mm. problem so we can then solve the problem. And, and that's a, a pretty good example. How do you become good at this transfer from science? We both know you can't know everything. No. You... So let's uh, assume there's a very difficult yeah. problem to solve. What's mm. the first thing that you would do as a, let's say, an engineering student given a difficult project? Well, I mean, in terms of what, defining the problem or define, or looking into how I'm going to analyze said problem or break down said problem? Ah, all right, I'll start you on. I'll, st I'll push okay. the train for you to get started. Okay. Let's assume Thank it's you. a group yes. project. Okay. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I'm drawing a blank at this point. Each, each person understands different scientific okay, things at okay, different yeah. levels. Yeah. There will be the guy yeah. who was very good at internal moments in applied mechanics A. There will be the guy who loved first year chemistry. Um, and, and in the terms of your... Magnets, when, there you go. The when you're trying to magnets. solve yeah. a problem, it's a case of go back to the very basics and transfer mm. all of that stuff in because you don't know when you're going to need it. Yeah. That yeah. neatly yeah. brings us yeah. to our second point, which is invention. So you need the transfer of science before you invent. Okay, yeah, so you've got the base fundamentals. You understand the world in which your design is going to be operating in now. There we go. And understand, understand. That's a very good word. Okay. Then we're going to go invention. So what, that's creation synthesis? Um, yeah, I'd even throw in the word discovery because sometimes you can invent mm. something without meaning to. You just sort of, yes, if yeah. I add this to this, woo, look what happens. I now can produce electricity or whatever the case is. And I think yeah. what's important is the reason that transfer from science occurs before invention is that you can give the, the, the inventive process some direction. Yeah. If we just and sit down and say, then, let's just invent yeah. something, we both know you sit drawing blanks because... Uh, you just yeah, got too yeah, many no. ideas. And which one do you pick first? <laughs> mm. 
transfer the science in and then start to invent. That's a bit like upending your toolbox when you've got a, a broken machine in front of you. It's a case of <laughs> this five-pound hammer. I can see lots of things that I can do with it. <laughs> you know, but if it's at the bottom of the toolbox and you just open the lid and you need a hammer, you know, you, you don't get that creative. To be clear, maybe not always, you know, trying to fix my car. I'll turn the toolbox upside down, grab the first thing, let's try to fix it. Um, but the idea of these are the tools I have before me, you, you need to have upended your, your tools in that sense to say, okay, well, this is what I have as things. What, what could do this? Now, the, the problem with when you're approaching a, a design, say, design a car, and you open your toolbox, and the first book, the first tool, the first thing is car design. Oh, cool, take that, let me go. And I mean, your, your chance of invention, your chance of coming up with something new, solving the problem in a unique way or solving the problem in the first place is becoming more limited because you haven't transferred from science. You've just done the first thing. You haven't looked at options. You've just gone straight into it. You, it's, why, yeah, it's why that first step is there. It's the get all your tools out and basically evaluate them. Which, which one is going to be useful here? Can I combine them? Go right, here I've got a, a whole... A book on aerodynamics and here i've got a book on cars and here i've got a book on submersibles okay i can't quite see what submersibles are maybe there's battery technology in the submersibles that could be useful in yep. my electric car um, and that's sort of direction. would you say that an invention is an idea yes yeah and the I mean, thing is how do you need to you need to test out the idea that it works which brings us neatly, Mr. Sheckman, to point number three, which is cool. theoretical engineering research. I will say the middle word again, engineering research. <laughs> um, so this is the theoretical research. Now, why would you need to go through the process of invention and then theoretical research? Why is that a good idea? Well, I'm more kind of maybe I'd view it in terms of what does theoretical research do to my inventions? And for me, it's a case of, right, I've got these ideas to put together. Would they work? Are they ah, of any yes. use? So I'd be a case of doing the theoretical research. I mean, we're not saying, you know, build test models and stuff. And I'd say you're not doing that certainly up front or no. as your next step because that, A, it's a waste. You've got... 50 ideas you've got a huge spectrum of possible directions to be going with this you are not just inventing one thing and then that that's your your design is done stop at step two it's you're inventing continuously but it's a you when you start off you've got tons of inventions tons of creations tons of options tons of synthesized uh possibilities now it's case right let, let's do some theoretical research let's do some base understand or like base analysis on these to understand, okay, cool, roughly where these points are. Okay, actually, well, this one's never going to work. I don't even need to do any kind of experimental or building models or testing or prototyping anything of the sort. I just need to actually go and just do the space calculation. F equals M, okay, no, this doesn't work. Right, this one, if we look at how magnetism works, that one will never actually work. We can't have cars that float via the Earth's magnetic field. The theoretical research then is able to help us in Underst like further understanding our inventions. That's right. The words that you said, which I, I, I wrote down, were to mm. analyze. Analyze means to break down. And to do yeah. that, you need a theoretical scientific basis, which is why we mm. have all those science courses. That's point one. Yeah. The other thing you said is to understand how it works, which is the fundamental purpose of research. 
is to uh -huh. find out how things work. Now, yeah. the reason that you do point three, which is theoretical engineering research, before you do experimental engineering research, is what? Mm. what's the main constraint to experimental engineering research, which is point four? Time and cost. Money. There we go. And, and yeah. yeah, I'd say time. Uh, time is obviously related yeah. to money. But yeah, to test a yeah. real helicopter, <laughs> you need to know that that helicopter is going to work. How do you know that that idea stands a snowball's chance in hell of actually working? The answer is quite a lot of maths and theoretical models and different parameters beforehand. Mm -hmm. And that's why you have to do the theoretical research before you do the, let's call it the, the experimental or the applied um, research. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't experimental doesn't mean build the full helicopter. Nice. And, you know, oh, I've done my theoretical. I mean, it could be building a base little remote controlled uh, helicopter. When Lockheed came up with the idea of a fixed rotor system, he first proved it by building a model. He built a remote controlled model helicopter that showed that the system would work. But yes. before he went into that, he would have done a whole bunch of theoretical research. Um, whoever the designer was, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Um, he would have done some base theoretical research first to kind of check and start ironing out ideas about this possibility or this way of controlling is not going to work this way of allowing the blades to flex because it's one of the issues with fixed blade systems yeah. uh won't work right now i've got okay, I, I've, I've honed down my list of options that i need to investigate to something that's manageable in an experimental um research engineering research uh, field yes i would agree with that completely um the fifth point so after we've got mm. the transfer from science, then the process of invention, then theoretical engineering research, then experimental engineering research, is mm. something which we try and do with all of our students, and that is design practice. And it's funny okay. because up until that point, the word design didn't appear <laughs> at all. And now it does. And and the point is, obviously what what is meant by this is that design practice means that there is some of the transfer of science, there is some invention, uh -huh. there is some theoretical experimentation, and there's some actual experimentation. So it's what? It, it, it's figuring out what works and basically repeating steps one to four, I think that is, yeah, one to four uh, over and over then? Or, yeah, I mean, and I mean, I would say that yeah, transfer okay. from science is trying to understand the problem, the invention mm. processes to try and create a solution. And then the theoretical yeah. engineering research is understanding how that solution solves the problem. And the experimental yeah. is to then make sure it does and to try and optimize it to make it as good as possible. Would you agree? Yeah, I'd say so. I'd even put the extra point on for experimental in that with theoretical there are assumptions that are made to whether to make it possible to actually do the analysis computationally or whatever the case is and there's always those little caveats those little things that you can't consider or you don't consider like now nah, that's negligible experimental is in part about confirming those assumptions like yes okay I, I assume that the blade would not flex and break oh no experimentally it did okay that theoretical aspect's wrong and, and yes and, yeah and, and i mean design practices Yes. What it is then? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, what and, and and the cool thing is, you could transfer from science, then invent, do your your theoretical stuff, realize it doesn't quite work, go back, transfer some more from science or from different science, or reinvent the invention, and it, yeah. iterate that process or, or or change it up. And the other thing is, 
who used to say that if you transfer a single thing from science and then base a single invention on that and then do theoretical and experimental research that that is the best <laughs> solution for it which is why we run on the sort of the, the, the conceptual design process where you come mm. up with a bunch of ideas which solve the problem and then you do a proper yeah. evaluation the main thing at a student level is that in terms of the design practice what is that evaluation and the answer is that's one of those things it's either the theoretical sort of research to work out which one uh, solves the question best or it is experimental yeah. and it's all based on how much information you have and how accurately you can replicate how real um the the, the solution um, is yeah and that's the point is that i think it's also with design being no two designs are the same they're, they're always whether it's a small difference or um, a massive difference in the way you approach a problem in the sort of options you're going to consider in the way you're going to evaluate those options i'd also say design practices in part the idea that uh, you, you could try the old tested methods but the uh practice with or the maybe experimentation with different methods different ways of viewing it right i, I combined the science i guess i upended my toolbox and i combined the ideas that made sense to me let me try try something else and see if that works to generate for yourself more skills as a designer so that you're not approaching in the same way that everyone else has always taught you you're trying something just a little bit different as well yeah i mean what, what these guys said in, in in the book that they wrote was that design practice was something which you need to be introduced to because your best chance at doing design practice is in the academic environment and that's simply because mm. a long time ago when um, prototypes were cheap labor was cheap <laughs> yeah. and you you know um, there weren't big computational facilities to do cfd mm. you you built airplanes and you put full-sized ones in wind tunnels and you went and you got t expensive test pilots to go and fly them and you got a lot of data yeah. out of it and then what you did is you took all that information and you stored it because that became the transfer from science for your next project mm. which may, might have been something completely different you know something from a fixed yeah. wing propeller which you now use on your next helicopter whatever the case is and the thing is the world has changed a lot so the actual skill of design practice is often not done at in glorious detail at companies anymore simply because of the time yeah. and the monetary pressure um, so what you mm. tend to do is you focus much more on the theoretical uh, research you then cut the time and money spent on the experimental research um, and then the, the the actual design practice you get less of it um, as as an engineer today um, than you uh, used to um, and, and that was one of their points yeah. that they made yeah, which is why, and I think it's also in part why in undergrad we vary up the projects. You're not getting the same project in second year and then let's do the same project again in third year and let's do the same project again in fourth year. It's We're varying it up so you're getting a spectrum of ways in which you can't do it the same way over and over and over. You need to have different stuff. You need to pull in that extra bit of research now that you're studying third year fluids or now that you're looking at uh, flight dynamics in fourth year. Right, now pull that in. Now, now include that extra piece of science um, that you're now being covered from another lesson learned at another point. Pull that in now. Do your theoretical research with that new bit of knowledge. Do your experimental with that bit of knowledge and incorporate that into your new design practice. Yeah. Um, after design practice, you end up with uh, mm. production, which is obviously something which at a university level, if you take production according to its definition, is not done. Um, However, no. the way that design practices run at universities, often you have to sort of create a couple of 
realistic bits of your critical system which simulates some form of at some level the production process well i think it's a case of the design works yes we can uh, we have a solution that works we've shown through experimental research theoretical research that it is a a workable solution the other side to it however is as good as that may be if it can't be made if it can't be and not even necessarily mass produced if it's not a mass produced system it's a a one-off test rig but if it requires that you drill a micron hole in a tube that is half a micron in diameter through itself when there's another you know some obscure system where it's basically impossible to do that that aspect of production is then well you've forgotten you can't forget the, those sort of aspects yeah. that the system needs to be brought into the real world now you could argue okay my, my design the solution i'm coming up with is a software-based solution and then production is likely its ability to be executed um, yes. in a piece of software or an operating system so it is still that case it is that yes the code runs but it doesn't run on this person's computer or doesn't run on a cell phone um that is is still elements of production and it's still elements of make bringing it out into a a usable state um it's not easily done in, in a vasty sense um and in some ways we'll i mean we, we certainly do give lectures on manufacturing because it is so important because you need that base understanding um but the the sort of aspect of going from all the way through up till the sixth step of production invariably ends up being such a lengthy process that we don't actually have sufficient time within any given year to actually do it unfortunately yep. the companies do that's 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 yeah. well explained and then the very last um step mm. is then direct trial which is um yeah, quite difficult to do within the university environment and that's the, oh, yes, that is yeah. basically what your education is for to take you all the way through to design practice with a feel for production and then you know being exposed to vacation work um and then mm. you know when you start working that's where you start to see how all of that fits into direct trial because that is the end end result before you know product goes out and and is sold yeah it's, it's prototyping Yes. Uh, uh, this is this is the, the the final step before it is now done completed. You know, we, we've had a lot of theory we put into this. We've had a lot of experiments. We've pulled all our design practice together in a couple series of transfer invention and so on and so forth. We've checked that it's able to be produced. Now let's pull all that together and see does it do what it's supposed to. Um, and what well, it has this issue here. Okay, fine. Let's it, let's go and correct that. Um, the other one is where you, you know, your prototype is not necessarily tested by scientists, but you release it out into a small sample group of the public yes. and say, okay, how do you interact with this design? Um, what issues do you have? Um, beta testing or alpha testing? Yes. And I, it, it's not something that with an undergrad, it's easily achieved um, through ethical constraints, through cost constraints, through time constraints. There are a number of facets to it, as well as safety concerns. Um, I don't think I'd want to be anywhere close to half the designs I've seen turned out by even some of our fourth year students. Um, no, in fact, it, I mean, I know it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's April at the moment. And I mean, I'd still be putting 
you know, I'd, I'd probably only be halfway through putting 17,000 batteries into that electric vehicle from last year. <laughs> um, but, but just to pause you there, um, I'm, it's, it's gone completely dark outside. And when I look up, there's this giant airship in the sky that's got C-A... Oh, it's this caveat on the side. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what you need to understand is that these seven steps, you don't start off at the start of an entire complex engineering design and transfer everything you need in from science right then and there because you don't know oh, yeah. what you'll need no <laughs> so you you don't say oh i'm going to throw out everything i'm just going to open up my survey from first year and there i've got transfer from science everything i need is in that book and i've got hibbler mm. and i've got everything else no 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 you do this in layers mm. there'll be the initial bits to unpack the problem and come up with the highest level concepts and you would then repeat this entire process over and over again and uh, I, I think that's that's important for students to know and, and I mean to I mean to, to a certain degree your experimental research is in, in a way a, a bit of a direct trial so even as yes. you're doing it then what you might do is you, you you're taking it to a a prototype small model testing it then right okay uh, I've got to a really good point i'm even testing certain elements of production on a smaller scale yes now this can all be done right let's go back and let's start scaling up and right let's get some extra transfer science to uh how do we scale up let's look up inventions and ideas and how we can scale this up this is a really complex shape how are we going to manufacture it um how does the theory change and with our adjustment in reynolds number our adjustment in densities and so on or material quality and strength and fatigue and so on and so forth and go through it again so it is very much there it's not like direct trial is a once-off done right at the end it's not like transfer science is done all at the beginning it's sort of spread out but the order you can't do direct trial first you can't yeah. do or you shouldn't be doing experimental research before theoretical research um, and you shouldn't be doing design practice without having got science or invention or anything of the sort. I don't know what you're practicing at that point. Yeah. But that's going to finish off. We'll, in the next episode, we'll look at a, maybe let's go through an example in terms of how to actually apply this. Uh, and yeah, so if you've got any questions on this or anything else, obviously there's email just toastingdesign at gmail.com. Uh, we're getting through those. We're maybe waiting for a bit of questions to build up and then we'll do a question and answer uh, podcast. Uh, otherwise, thanks very much for listening. We'll catch you guys in the next one. Cheers.